Hello, and welcome to a free preview of Greatest of All Talk. Well, look, I got the full breakdown from Rob and Lisa about how great U2 is, mm. and I still couldn't name a song. You know? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not proud of it, not you know, but I'm not going to run from it either. Good, good. Own it proudly. Um, yeah, I just feel like there was a failure to account for how fans at home are going to be experiencing these games. And you could see it with the courts, number one, but also the energy in the stadium is part of what makes it a compelling television product. And if the whole goal with all of this is to sell it as a television product so that the players and the owners and everybody's making more money, then put some time and thought into how you're building it and to just sort of lazily throw it out there and treat Vegas as this destination that everybody's going to want to go to. I don't know. Um, it just well, felt ham-fisted. Yeah, I'm, I can I can go with you on ham-fisted. I wouldn't say lazily, though. Uh, I think that they spent a lot of time, a lot of effort, months of planning to put this thing together. To get it wrong. <laughs> and, yeah, it's, well, to get it to be a little bit unsatisfying, right? Yeah. You know, to, to have it feel a little bit empty and soulless by the end. And so I think if I was Adam Silver, I'd step back. And the first thing I would say is like, hey, thanks, everybody, for pulling in the same direction on this and making this as good as we possibly could make it the first time because there was a lot of unknowns. But now we're going to redirect our efforts in some other ways to try to make it even better going forward, right? Like I wouldn't – I genuinely don't think that they half-stepped their way through this thing. I don't. Mm. And I just think that it goes to the philosophy issues that you described earlier in terms of his vision. And then it goes to the complications of this particular city, this venue, and trying to do it in a neutral site where – you know, across all sports, neutral sites present challenges, right? Like Qatar. Remember how many empty seats there were for the early round matches in Qatar for the World Cup? A lot of the NCAA tournament neutral site games to get some uh, random pairings, they'll be dead, right? Like, so you have to, I guess, familiarize yourself with those kinds of challenges. The NBA doesn't do a lot of other neutral site events besides All-Star Weekend, but they lean so heavily into the host city and the history and all that for All-Star Weekend that it doesn't always really feel neutral. And this is a, a new territory for them. And I just think it was um, it was lukewarm. You know, yeah. it was kind of the, the best way to put it. All right. So two final questions here. Eric says, been thinking about what would be a good team reward for winning the tourney. Auto playoff berth or extra pick in the draft is maybe too much. How about this? All end-of-season tiebreakers go to the team who wins. So better draft position and better playoff position if there are any ties. Or how about the winner gets to pick their opponent in the first round if they make the playoffs? I would love that. Um, I don't really like any of those ideas. I think you need to put something up that's actually valuable. Ben, can I have two minutes to discuss the top five pick idea one final time before we close the book on all of it? Two minutes. You need 120 seconds for that. I'm. I honestly, I may need more. I'm not making any promises oh here. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I'll try to get myself wound up for this one one more time. Here we go. So, just as a foundation, I've been workshopping this in text messages over the last month or so. The specific idea is that the winner of the tournament should win a top five pick. And even better than just picking number five, we'll give the in-season tournament winner the fifth best lottery odds, which oh, means okay. they enter the NBA lottery with a chance to get number one, and then the lowest they could possibly pick is five. So if you're selling it on TV, you're saying a top five pick is on the line tonight as the Pacers and Lakers battle it out here. And the appeal of the idea is that 
Number one, it's an incentive to make fans care. It just provides a ton of extra drama to hardcore fans as this tournament unfolds each year. And that kind of excitement then lures in casual fans as well. And it tracks how all of us sickos follow the league today. And it just seems like a no-brainer on the fan front. And then also, if a top five pick is on the line... Teams would absolutely treat these games like playoff games. Like we were talking about the Celtics not playing a playoff rotation, not shortening up the rotation. They held Porzingis out in the quarterfinals against the Pacers. Um, I don't think that would happen if a top five pick were well, waiting at the end of the rainbow here. Hold on, though. Careful with that. That might be a bad example because you don't necessarily want the Celtics playing like it's a playoff game. That's true. They could fold. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Maybe they never even make the quarterfinals in that context. I like your Phoenix Suns example. Old team, capped out, no real way to add meaningful talent. They have a chance at a top five pick. KD and Book are going hard. Vogel is coaching hard. They all want that infusion of talent. Yeah, and it would be a huge deal once you get to the Final Four every year. Like, if the Bucks had blown a chance at a top-five pick a week ago, losing to the Pacers, I would have been peeling Ben Thompson off the ceiling for, like, days afterward after that game. And so those kind of stakes just make things so much more fun for everybody. And the biggest objection to this idea is that players wouldn't want to compete for their replacement. But honestly, it would make the games more dramatic and more popular and teams would be more invested. And at that point, players are going to care because they're competitive as hell, number one, and also because the whole league is going to be watching those games and playing well in high-stakes games where the entire league is paying attention. Like, that's how guys get paid. I mean... Bruce Brown is like on the Forbes list because he played really well for the Nuggets in three <laughs> three playoff rounds. Like I, I just I think the people who make well, that particular argument no, either no, no. Let, let me let me jump in on that because I think you're right. I think that drafting your replacements is actually not going to be something that would impact this tournament because the teams that were winning and advancing in this tournament were typically typically veteran quality teams that a rookie is not going to be able to step in and take a starting job on, right? Like if the Lakers had a top five pick, that guy's probably going to be coming off the bench for them or they're going to be using that uh, that pick as a trade asset going forward. Same thing with the Pacers. They're young and up and coming. There's not a lot of open starting spots for that team. So Halliburton's not looking over his shoulder and saying, oh God, you know, some guy from the right. G League Ignite is going to come take my job. I think the whole drafting your replacement argument comes in more for your other idea, which is the toilet bowl. The idea of having that the, the tournament between the worst teams, you know, for the right to get the lottery picks. Now, if the Pistons, you know, were playing the San Antonio Spurs for the right to the number one pick, yeah, you better believe a lot of those guys on both teams are looking over their shoulders, saying like, "Man, we suck. Like, I don't want to get, I don't want to lose my job." So I think you know, it's it's a different situation here with this tournament, and I actually don't think. The argument about drafting replacements applies at all after what we saw in the in-season tournament. Yeah, exactly. I just feel like the people who make that argument aren't thinking very hard about the way it would play out in practice, or they just underestimate the maturity and intelligence of NBA players. Like, guys would figure it out. Guys would play hard. It would be a a non-story as far as player motivation in this situation. Um, And then the other benefit that I like is the idea of putting a great young draft pick on a good team, which I think is just good for the league in general. Like it's exciting to have good young players on real contenders 
because it showcases them to a national audience instantly. It also gives them a better environment to develop and a better chance to succeed long term. Like I think there are secondary and tertiary benefits to approaching it this way, but there you go. I said my piece as everybody's debating no. what incentives to throw out there. I think this is the right one. I know I'm repeating myself, so I apologize no, 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 to no, everybody, no. but I'm right. <laughs> well, I think you've made the most convincing case yet. And I think that after experiencing it for the first time, I was really in the hold on. Let's see how it goes mode. Hold on, like trying to kind of push off the call. But I am convinced after watching it that there needs to be something else involved. I think the the doing it through the draft. I also like that idea because it keeps the the integrity of the existing playoff format intact. Like you're mm-hmm. not screwing with the playoffs. I don't want the in season tournament to wind up like meaningfully altering the playoffs because that feels like a bridge too far. If you wanted to say we give a team like a guaranteed play in tournament spot, so like say for the Lakers, they wouldn't need to worry about a two month LeBron injury because at least they would make the play in tournament at the end because they won the in season tournament. That's about as far as I could go on the the playoff side. But I like the draft incentive more and more now that we've seen the current the current framework wasn't enough; it was insufficient, and so that to me was proven um, in Las Vegas. And, um, you know, we'll see what, what they come up with, but they need to figure out the stakes issue. To me, that should be the most nagging one. Adam Silver was saying the players were pretty upset about point differential. Maybe they would come up with some sort of a cap on the point differential aspect. So like if you beat a team by 30, it wouldn't necessarily be any different than beating them by say 15 in the group stage, you know, in terms of tiebreakers. I think, you know, there's some sportsmanship elements to that that sort of appealed to me. I don't actually think that's that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. He also called the colored courts. He said they were cookie cutter. Um, that was the phrase that he used, which I bet you some people who were involved in the design process took Didn't that love straight it. to the heart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I probably like mortally offended with that. But, um, you know, he was suggesting that they would bring the courts back colored and maybe even experiment more with, with uh, some, you know, more radical and, and bold designs going forward. So, you know, those were the kinds of things he was willing to address immediately. But again, that's stuff around the edges, right? That's not uh, that's not the stake at the center of the plate. And I think they've got to figure that out. Yeah, and the play-in idea, the idea of guaranteeing a play-in spot, like if you told a Lakers fan on Saturday night after they win that game, hey, you just guaranteed a play-in spot, like would they really be that ecstatic? I mean, if I'm a Lakers fan hearing that, I'm like, well, if we're in a situation where we need that, like the season has gone seriously off the rails, so why am I really getting excited about any of this? Uh, So you have to put something up that's actually valuable. Fans are smart. All right, and that is the end of the free preview. If you'd like to hear the rest of this episode and get two episodes every week from me, Andrew Sharp, and Ben Goliver, you can go to greatestofalltalk.com and subscribe to the show.